Hey, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Rich Text Audio Edition. We're here today with our very dear friend, Darren Karp, host of People TV's Reality Check podcast, Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Just excellent, excellent (laughs) podcast name. Uh, And Shaken and Disturbed. And today we're going to be talking about Colton Underwood's big coming out interview with Robin Roberts on GMA and kind of get into all of the thorny, complex feelings that that this big announcement has has brought up for a lot of people um, yeah. in, in Bachelor Nation. Thank you, Darren, so much for joining us, especially since we just explained to you that we don't know how to edit this and it will probably be (laughs) uploaded as a raw file. You are braver than the troops. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. This does feel like I'm signing an NDA in the opposite (laughs) direction in a a lot of ways, but I'm very excited to be here. And I think uh, in that intro, you sort of captured it perfectly that there's actually a lot of nuances in this. And so it's worthy of, I think, deep diving into Colton's coming out because there's many layers that we need to kind of get through here. I completely agree. And that's why we love having a platform in order to do a podcast. I think audio is like a great format for this because we can kind of talk through our own complex feelings and hopefully, you know, some of that lands with everyone listening, whether or not, you know, every single thing we say is something that you completely agree with. That's, that's also fine. That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Before we get into it, I think we wanted to just sort of run down kind of like the major points from Colton's interview with Robin Roberts. This happened on Wednesday morning. Um, and I think it's worth saying that like during this interview, he was like visibly shaking, um, very obviously nervous. And he kind of said to, to Robin that he really found himself in the last year. He was able to take a step back. He, you know, had a lot of family around. He had space from the public eye um, after reaching like a very dark place personally. And that made him finally come to grips with the fact that he is gay and he has told his friends and family they are supportive of him. And then he sort of dove into the different forces that perhaps um, made him reticent to come out earlier, reticent to really acknowledge who he is to himself, which included growing up in the Catholic church and in a pretty strict religious family, um, growing up, you know, within the world of professional football, which is notoriously misogynistic, homophobic, um, you know, that, that locker room talk that, you know, former President Trump loved to refer to. Um, and also being on The Bachelor, which is a pretty damn straight space. And he even said, I literally remember praying to God the morning I found out I was The Bachelor and thanking him for making me straight. Finally, you're letting me be straight. You're giving me a wife, a fiance. And then he went on to say, like, kids, a house, all the things. Like, that could only happen to him uh, if he was going to live as a straight man. That crushed me. I got to be honest. Like, that one line crushed me because there, as a gay person, I mean, and there's so much there's so much courage and strength that it takes to say that to one person, to yourself, to other people, let alone kind of to the world when you already have this platform of being like this 
kind of this iconic straight role, right? Like the bachelor bachelorette, like there's nothing more kind of heteronormative than that in a lot of ways. I mean, there's plenty of different types of relationships too. And this is like, nope, six weeks. Like, you know, we all know, like you're going to meet this person. You got to stay in love, like ticks all the boxes. But for me, I mean, one, it was like, oh man, like he put all of this, I just felt all of his nerves. It felt like he was coming out to his parents kind of for the first time, how he was reacting to it. But just saying in general, like, I prayed to God that he made me straight. And then I'm thinking about if he did marry Cassie and then they did have children and then kind of families that could have been ruined because of it. So there's a lot to be said for it, like happening when it did before other children were involved. Cause when that happens, it's, it can hurt a lot of people before you figure your stuff out. That's what it made me think of. Honestly, all my friends who were like pretending to be straight to get that type of thing, praying it away in a lot of ways. It reminded me of that. Yeah, there's an idea. And I grew up in the Catholic church. To be honest, I thought Colton grew up sort of more evangelical. And I think that that's probably just because I now have such a strong association with the Bachelor franchise and evangelical Christianity. Um, And there's a lot of like the vernacular of like Protestant Catholic or Protestant Christianity that goes along with the bachelor now, like your, your personal relationship with God. And that's not a super Catholic thing, but I, I am very familiar with the idea of like, we love the sinner. We hate the sin. Like, it's okay that you're gay. That just means that you can never have a family or children or a partner or love. Sorry. Like that's your fate now that you're gay. Um, Too bad. And that is, you know, pretty much the Catholic church's stance on it as I experienced it growing up. And it was presented as this very like loving thing. Like we're not hating you. We're not pushing you away. You're part of this community. You just can't have the stuff that most people want and that will never be true for you. And so for him to say like, yeah, you're letting me have all of these things that I can only have if I'm straight that felt extremely real. Like there are yeah. so many powerful forces telling you that even now when it seems like much more normalized in the dominant culture um, for people who are gay to have kids and families, et cetera, of course. But like if you're growing up Catholic or in a conservative community, it doesn't feel that way at all. Right. And I think for me, it also speaks to what the bachelor represents in popular culture. Like you touched on this a little bit, Darren, like the fact that being cast as the bachelor meant being cast as the like epitome of masculinity, of straightness, of conservative, like marital bliss. Like you are, are worthy. You are chosen in that role. And I think that, you know, in speaking to people who have come off the show in general, I think a lot of people when they're cast, on a show like The Bachelor feel almost anointed. And I think especially when you're in that that lead role and you're told like, this is your chance. You're the most desirable. Everyone's here for you. You're going to end up with this thing that you always wanted. And it also made me really um sort of threw into stark relief the way that during Colton's season, he felt like almost oddly at times, like wedded to certain conventions of traditional gender roles. Like he was the most enthusiastic that we've seen in years about asking the woman's father for permission for her hand in marriage. Like, 
and and the two like he and I actually got in like a Twitter fight over this at the time because I said like that's bad and he like he was like well that's just my belief whatever like we got into a whole thing about it and it sort of changed the way that I now interpret like his um almost desperation to hew so closely to some of these traditions like it it, like makes more sense it was like a doubling down for me, right? It's like when yeah. you try so hard not to prove something, like that you not only are you, it's like your defense mechanism, right? You're like, I am now doubly straight. Like it kind of reminded me in a lot of ways of when, when Caitlyn Jenner transitioned, um, you know, Caitlyn Jenner back in the day, pre-transition was the epitome of masculinity. I mean, a decathlon right. fucking Olympian. And, and here's this person who's literally transitioning in front of our eyes in this huge platform. Obviously, Colton, in terms of a shift of just going from this like super masculine heteronormative role to now kind of something different, I think they mirror each other in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it's, I struggle with this a little bit though. I mean, it, I didn't grow up religious, so I don't really know what the oppression is like, but part of me kind of wonders why people aren't like, well, God made me this way. Like, so if God, like, if God didn't want me this way, why did they make me this way? Claire, Claire. I can answer this one. <laughs> Claire um, raised her I don't hand. Think Emma's not, Emma's not helping me with this one. I have a feeling. Emma, Emma. No, the, let me like, tell you. The like cultural Jew over here? No. A lot of yeah. time is spent in Catholic school basically explaining to people why they should feel bad about things. Yes. Um, and the thing about, for example, being gay is, Everyone has their own cross to bear. You know, maybe your cross is that you have a predilection for alcoholism, but you can't just be an alcoholic, right? It's all deeply problematic. You can't just be an alcoholic. That's bad. So you have to fight it. That's virtuous. Maybe for you, it is that you have a tendency toward anger. Um, Maybe it is that you just love casual sex. We all have these inclinations and some of them are harder than others, but we all have to fight them. And that is where a moral way can be found. Like, does God makes pedophiles, you know, like, right. does that mean that it's okay? Of course not. And so being gay, you know, basically the same. And it's, just, it's a good workaround for sure. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> I see how people believe that, uh, I, you know, but then what's the switch then to him being like, God sort of made a, a world under which I didn't feel comfortable being gay because I was always taught that this was the sense of other or different or hell based or whatever the terms are to then switching to be like, well, now that I'm out, I, I feel closer than ever to God. So uh, what's that switch? Like, how can people are just like, okay, now it's okay. Like, what is that? Yeah. There's, I feel like there's a very weird, um, we're at this sort of transition point where, our religious institutions, most of them, the mainstream religious institutions in the country just have not caught up culturally. And I mean, this, this happens in many dimensions over time, but like the church is so far behind on this and it's very difficult for them to really keep people in line. Like people have gay friends who come out and they live happy, healthy lives. And they look at that and they're like, yeah, the church says this and I'm a Catholic, but like, is that really more important to me than like, than how great my friend is and how happy their family is? I mean, similarly, you see with the Catholic church, 
birth control is unacceptable. Like it's completely verboten to use birth control. Something like 98% of Catholic women use birth control. Like it's simply so out of step with what is possible and what is accepted by people in their daily lives that it's just sort of like politely disregarded. But if you're like growing up in that, I think it's, that's not something that you can just like parse and be like, well, I'm hearing that it's bad at school and from the priest and like, it's generally stigmatized, but like people are actually kind of okay with it. If I came out, my parents would still love me. How, how are you supposed to like unpack that? But that is kind of the state that our culture is in, I think right now. I also I actually- think we're, we're in this moment where like you, you, yeah, you're seeing this struggle over sort of like the soul of religious communities. You're seeing more, you know, um, examples of like progressives trying to kind of take back the language, um, of religion. And so I do wonder, Darren, if that's kind of where you're seeing people who grew up and, and their whole worldview is sort of like wedded to this idea of, of a God in a specific conception of God. Um, and so then when they make a change to know themselves better, it's, it's like a bridge too far to be like, I, I need to let go of this, like, yeah, this organizing principle, um, of my like moral center. And so therefore like the easier and almost like more sensical thing to do is just say like, well, that was just humans interpreting right. God's intentions in a harmful way. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess that's kind of how I look at it. Here's a question for both of you then. I wonder the trauma that you sort of described, both of you, kind of when you grow up in this, in this maybe oppressive or in this very rules-based type of thing, like you're basically taught that you're a sinner at birth, hence the reason you get baptized. So it's like, you're just, you're a sinner. Do you think that that, and I'm going to say religious trauma here because I do think that that's probably an accurate statement to make. I would agree. Although I can't speak for him. Um, played into a little bit of what we were talking about, about like doubling down on the masculinity of not only being on the bachelorette, but then being the bachelor. And then that also serving as part of the abuse with Cassie and her doing a restraining mm-hmm. order. Like, do you see that double down behavior? Maybe like he's probably not i i'm this is just a hypothetical situation he's probably not a bad guy but he was so involved and so traumatized by his own gayness that he had to prove he was straight and it led him to do these horrible things to cassie mm-hmm. um is there any traction there with that theory maybe i mean i think this is where we should bring up some of the discussion that was had about Cassie in his interview with Robin Roberts. Um, Robin uh, Roberts asked him about Cassie. Like, did you love her? And he says, yes, I did. I loved everything about her that made it harder, made it more complicated for me to understand what I was feeling. Um, And he apologizes to her for hurting her as the relationship was ending and says, you know, I wish that I had had the courage to, fix myself before I broke anybody else. Um, but I think that he is kind of touching on one dimension of what I think you're saying, which is, I think that because he felt something very strong for Cassie, he was doubly like the way he felt about being bachelor. He was like, this is my chance. Like if you're honestly, I think most people who are like straight and they've been in a few relationships that didn't work out. It's very hard to have one end. 
but it doesn't feel like your only chance, you know, to find love. At least not to that extent. At least not to that extent. Not to that extent. Like it definitely could have, I think, exacerbated the feeling that like if Cassie left him, he was never going to have any of those things because how rare to like feel like you're in love with someone who is the opposite sex of who you're normally attracted to. That was, that was what I made me think. I, and yeah, I do think that, that there's a way in which like you, you double down on, as you said, like the kinds of behaviors that, you know, are expected for someone who is presenting the, you know, living in the correct masculine way and embodying the masculine ideal. And that can, that can cause a lot of, but I, I, in that moment, I honestly kind of related to him because I remembered my very first relationship when I did feel like I would never love again. And that is like the place that can take you in some really, really dangerous directions. You can become really dangerous to other people if you feel that desperate and, so you were, we, I, I think that it's possible that we were seeing just a level of that desperation that he was like, my shot slipping away. I agree. Excuse it. I right. No, right. No, no, no absolutely clear, not. Like, and and right. I think that this is what I've sort of struggled with, with being able to like have this conversation in online spaces where, you know, you tweet one thing and that's like taken as gospel of like the totality of, of your feelings on something. And with mm-hmm. this, I was having so, so, so many mixed, um, reactions. And I, I do want us in this conversation and to say to our listeners, like, we want to hold all of these things to be true at the same time. And I think that there is a way to contextualize behavior and perhaps understand a place where really fucked up behavior might be coming from without saying, well, that means it's okay. And that means he's just good. And that means that, you know, we just ignore the harm he seem to have caused to Cassie. Like, no, absolutely not. None of us are saying that. Um, the fact that, you know, a judge did grant that temporary restraining order means that there was clearly a body of evidence there to, to justify it. And that out of whatever desperation and whatever was driving that desperation, he acted in really scary, dangerous ways. At the same time, um, I do think that it, it again, it like sort of frames like this provides a frame um, a little bit more for that behavior. And I think it speaks to the way that really stringent prescriptions of masculinity harm everyone. You know, they, they harm women in a very direct way. You know, violence and abuse against women is literally an epidemic. They also harm men. And they especially do harm to men who have a hard time fitting into these boxes that the culture has sort of drawn out for them. It also does harm to men because we do not raise men and boys to be able to express their feelings. We do not, um, you know, affirm their attempts to express their emotions. We do not teach them to process hard emotions in the same way. And often um, we teach men and boys that women are there to kind of do that processing for them. And so that's where the thorniness comes up. But I think it's also like what an indictment of the culture writ large this is. And like watching this interview, all I could think of was this is so sad, like Hmm. so much unnecessary 
hurt happened yeah here mm-hmm. like it didn't need to be this way yeah and I, i'm worried that like it sounds like i'm saying also like well it's okay that he did it because it was because he was gay or conversely that of course he did it because he was gay so, like either excusing or blaming it on him being gay. And I don't think that's the case, but no. I do think that maybe it sheds a little light on just how really the gender norms that we have um affect all of us to some right. extent. Like straight men also can experience the the gender norms that they're raised in as oppressive and and in ways that can lead them to act out violently, as Emma, you were just saying. And it's not to say that it's okay or that they are excused. It's to say like, how are we actually going to make life better for, for women and for anyone who might be victimized by this? It's like not by just condemning them and not exploring any of the forces undergirding that. Do If you had to guess, do you think, well, one, were you surprised? And I granted the GMA interview, like Twitter is going to be a different story. Like that's going to have 90 different headlines that GMA is not going to be able to cover. But were you surprised that maybe the abuse or the allegations against him weren't addressed more? And on the flip side of that, do you think that Colton coming out, obviously just conjecture from all three of us, brought Cassie like more pain or do you think it brought her maybe more closure and understanding towards the situation? You know, I think we Mm -hmm. don't know. I, I hope for her sake that maybe down the road she can have some closure, really put like an end, you know, a bookend on that, on her feelings about Colton. Um, you know, look, recovery from trauma is like a, a life's work and, and it's hard to know without her, saying anything. And I also totally understand why she like wouldn't want to even touch the media storm. Um, all we do know is that a source close to her told us weekly that she was not made aware of the GMA interview before it happened. Um, and that she and Colton, you know, have not been in contact, which is not surprising and that she was quote, still processing. And all of that sounds yeah, I, I think I would still be processing too if I was her. You know, an, another thing that's, sorry, Claire, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say another thing that's, I do a scissoring isn't a thing podcast, which is obviously you talk to everyone or a guest talks about our coming out stories or lack thereof, if you will, or a, a letting in as, as Karamo Brown said, as opposed to a coming out, which I, which I actually kind of prefer. Oh, I like and, that. <laughs> me too. And in the, in, in the, the gay community or the queer community rather. Uh, the talk is, because I was talking about this with my co-host, is like he said at the end of the interview that he's never made an emotional connection with the man. And so immediately my like queer flag ran up and I was like, I guarantee you there's going to be gay people being like, or straight people being like, well, then how do you know? How do you know? And it's like, I just see that as like another level, which is a completely stupid argument to make. I mean, like, I didn't have, I had a first boyfriend. I didn't have sex with like men before I knew that. Like, I was like, Oh, you're cute. And with a woman, I was like, Oh, you're even cuter. Uh, I, I like you even, I like you even more than that lady. I was having sex even knowing I was, I always think that argument is stupid, but like, I imagine you guys have seen that or were expecting that as soon as he said that, like, did your flares go up when he said that at all? Cause I knew that there was going to cause some controversy. Did it? I, if so, I missed it. I mean, it's 
controversial. I mean, like, I think there's so many other things about it. Yeah, yeah like, there's like any other just like within here. the the queer hub. I figured, you know, that was kind of going to be talked about. I was like, it makes it less legitimate sometimes to the straight world when you say that because then yeah. people mm-hmm. are like, well, you know. You don't there's know. A, you never met the right woman. You know? I, I I read that I, as like a level of repression that like yeah. Yeah, the way he talked about like just never even allowing himself to like Im- imagine. And when you can't, when you like limit your own imagination about what your life could look like, I could imagine you sort of just cutting off any inklings of mm-hmm. real deep feelings, kind of cutting them off at the knees and never letting them develop. I actually Becca season, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fighting for Becca. Okay. Yeah. I know it's like hard to imagine now. (laughs) And then you have that thing with Tia. I mean, I don't, maybe this is bad, but like the initial reaction that I actually had was, and you know, so Colton, we know a lot about Colton's romantic life because he was not only the bachelor, he was the virgin bachelor and he talked about it a lot. And as he mentions in his interview with Robin Roberts, he couldn't really explain it in a way that felt satisfying to anyone, possibly including him. Um, but he was having relationships with women, right? Like emotional girlfriend relationships. He dated Ali Raisman. He had this thing with Tia. Those are the ones we know of. But he, what he said was that he's never had an emotional connection to a man. And I actually wondered if he was hinting that he has had physical relationships with men at this point and maybe maybe not but like because maybe we've heard so much about his emotional but not physical relationships with women it almost seemed like to me I was like my takeaway was almost that he has started to explore it um but hasn't fallen in love yet and so yeah like definitely I don't have the the same uh flares (laughs) The same flares, not not being in the same community. Oh, so you don't find me attractive, Claire. <laughs> Fuck you. Great, thanks. Darren, you're on. very hot. Okay, like I told you <laughs> before come on. we started recording, you're very attractive. <laughs> we love everything about yeah. you. It's just. <laughs> I God feel much it, closer to God now that we've had this. <laughs> now that I've yeah, now yeah. Now that your face been. has. No, that's a good up. interpretation though that I didn't actually think of. I bet you he has started exploring. I mean, and I kind of hope because oh yeah, oh I, I really say, really want that for him. Yeah, oh, and when you come out, it's a very you know I always say at least for me, fortunately or unfortunately, the hardest part about coming out for me was coming out to myself, and I think that's what we were seeing with him, where it was like I never allowed myself to think that I could have this with a guy. You know, like mm-hmm. I mean. I was young, but seeing Anne Haish and Ellen, who were kind of like the first like out couple was like, for me, like, oh wait, you can like date a girl. Like I never, <laughs> it just didn't process because I didn't have that signal when I was younger at, at really anything. And so I'm, I'm assuming for him, that's probably where he's coming from. And that's a good assessment on your part that I didn't take into account. Possibly. I, I don't like, I feel like icky, like speculating about it. Cause it is, um, so private obviously but then I'm like <laughs> we had so many conversations well and that's and that's Excuse another me. thing sort of to that is like a lot of people are like listen dude if you knew like if you kind of knew you were gay why the fuck do you go on a reality show and then twice like you went on a re- like you know you competed three times. for Becca's heart yeah three times competed for Becca's heart and then went to go have 25 plus women compete for you like 
talk about, you know, it's a little bit of, if you watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, a Jen Shaw moment, you know, oh, kind of yeah. getting caught in it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a lot of crossover here of people that do this, uh, you know, and it's like, if you do have a big secret, like, what are you doing? But it's well, the double down. It's the proving yourself. Right. It's, it's the double down. And like, I think he was like, well, also if I like- can force myself into these situations, or like, I wonder if it's kind of both, like it's, it's the doubling down and it's, as he said, I put myself consistently in bad situations in order to force myself to be straight. And I also wonder if there's an element of like, I want to be forced to reckon with myself in some I way. I definitely think that's part of it. You can't keep that shit hidden. You just can't like, you just not, you just, it comes out like it, yeah. whether or not anyone else knows that for a fact there's no gay yeah. person that has died that has been like denying it. Like they know to some extent, whether or not other people know might be, and they could be hiding it, but they, you can't compare that feeling to anything else. I mean, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, the, the funny thing for me about that moment was that I was like, Oh, that's how powerful the bachelor is. Like heteronormativity Mm -hmm. is that he was like, if I've been chosen as the bachelor, then I guess I'm not gay. And like, that's a feeling that like is covering up a lot of other stuff, like a desire to like be forced into something to be like made to reckon with something. But there definitely was like an almost magical element to how he talked about it. Like I woke up and I was like, thank you, God, I'm straight now. And I was like, because you're the bachelor, like that's literally not going to make you straight. But like, it really seems like that is how powerful the like straight cachet of the bachelor is, which is wild. It's wild. And it's really like, yeah, I was thinking so much about that too. And, and it's like, well, if you look at, the show's history with queerness, the show's very limited history with queerness. So Demi. Yeah. Right. Demi, <laughs> uh, them trying to like bait Jamie into asking straight women out on paradise and like making JJ and Clint's friendship a punchline about Brokeback Mountain. Like that's, and Juan Pablo saying there should never be a gay bachelor. Like those yes, are that's gay representation. Yeah, like that's, that's, the the entirety. Yes. that's the entirety of queerness on this show. And so the fact that there's been this like conversation, like, could we even have a bachelor who's not straight? Like that is the level of like straight cachet that this show has. It is so steeped in heterosexuality and like a very specific brand of heterosexuality religious conservative marital heterosexuality um and so it like kind of makes sense that colton would would attribute that uh that value to it and it's disturbing (laughs) it's like it's like when i was 22 and i moved to new york and i was hired to work at j crew and i was like (laughs) this means that I am classically beautiful <laughs> and classically stylish. Why they wouldn't have hired me if I wasn't both of those things to work in a Manhattan J crew. I mean, I, I've really made it now and you know that it didn't actually change me in any way or mean anything deep about me. They probably just really needed someone to fold sweaters, but that's how it can feel. You're like, I've been anointed. Someone from outside has recognized that I have this thing. And in Colton's case, it was like 
super hardcore straightness. And he was like, great, I guess I have it. I identify with that so much because I, I, it was like your equivalent of J crew was like, when I was 14, I got poached in the mall to go work at Abercrombie. And I was like, <sighs> oh, that I- was the dream. That was the dream, Darren. And I was like, oh my God, I have <laughs> made it. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I'm not going to work for you. But I was like, <laughs> you're like, but now I know everything I need to know about my own character and worth. So I, I, I always think it would be very funny to see if people could catch it on like the bottom of a resume when you put your skills and shit, like, like Excel fluent in Spanish once was asked to work at Abercrombie when I was 14. Like, I just want to see if that's ever. How else are people going to know that you're just like effortlessly hot, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, charismatic. But, but isn't the show like, it's so, it's so meta, right? Because like, yes, like Bachelor is giving Colton his self straight worth, but like, look at all the people that also compete on it. Like, oh my God, he gave me a rose. Like I am beautiful. I am mm-hmm. interesting. I did say, I love you. I did. All of that is like virtue signaling from the Bachelor. And like, I, there's two types of Bachelor watchers. There are either people who are watching and believing every single fucking sentence and word, or there's people kind of like us who watch it ironically and understand that like, come on. Like, you know, there's a little bit of like a wink and a nod here. We're like, right. We, well, we, we watch oh, it, we pick it apart. Um, we, and there and are certain, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> there, there are certain but more, was... perhaps more earnest, uh, bachelor watchers than us. Correct. <laughs> I, I do wonder though, and, and you guys would know better than me. Like, I understand that the theory of the bachelor watcher is like probably mid forties, mid fifties, white female woman living in middle America. But is that true anymore? I mean, if they had a gay bachelor bachelorette, would the world explode? I mean, do you think the ratings would absolutely fucking plummet or what, like, what do we think think the actual big hesitancy is here? I don't think the world would explode, but I do think that there is a big core part of the bachelor base that is very conservative and they're not all middle-aged. You know, there are a lot of teenage to 30 something white women living all over the country who are conservative and Christian. And, um, and we do see that like, it seems like pretty consistently ratings are a bit lower for, um, black leads, like there, there is a real problem in that sense that like the audience is, is rigid and inflexible and, and bigoted to a certain degree. And I do, I also wonder if they're like worried about the, the format, like, if that, you have like was, a oh, bunch always of been well, my hot gay people in the house, like other. literally, why wouldn't they just get, sometimes you, you even have women in certain countries getting together in the house, even though they're allegedly like very straight and just there for the bachelor. I mean, like, we spent a- all this time together in the house. We're in love now. That I was know, a I mean, I thing, but are you the be, one in Tila Tequila? Like, oh yeah. my God. I think it would be like incredible, incredible television. And I don't understand, <laughs> so but I, but I do think that their reticence has been that they like, a, the conservative audience and B, their, um, intense desire to maintain like full control at all times. And that yeah. like, it would be harder to, 
isolate and make people feel crazy and make people feel like there was only one romantic prospect for them in the whole world. And that's harder to do when like, you could just date anyone else here and spending a lot more time with them. It's like, there's the bachelors now competing with like the other bachelors who are also competing for the bachelor. And it's just this whole, whatever. Did you guys watch the, there was on, um, logo, I think, or Bravo, uh, a gay bachelor show called like, yes. Prince Charming or something. What am I, why am I forgetting? It was logo. I didn't watch it. It was logo. It was logo. Yeah. Um, I, I watched some of it. I, I didn't really just like the bachelor very much. I don't think he had great screen presence, but, um, but that, like that inevitably comes up. So like, yeah, they're all like, and then the other guys are going to be like, oh, these two guys are flirting with each other. Like watch out for that. And then he's like, oh, that dude was my favorite one. And, I I think that it just like exposes how like limiting the bachelor format really is like and how heteronormative and like a really shitty way it is that like the way yeah. that it treats women and men to basically barely interact with each other except in a very like old marriage market kind of way it's mm-hmm. like here's a man you're on a date do you want to marry each other maybe i don't know if not you will never speak to each other again and there are no other men around <laughs> um it's just when you put it in another context you're like this is a very unhealthy way to interact with people like, who are bad. your possible future partners good and like have sex more than once before you like get married to a person as well like well you can do it up to four times if you're yeah. in a window and you work really fast <laughs> guys also like report there are like reports out there that i saw today that like some of production has approached colton about like potentially being the first gay bachelor and i was like no just don't, no it, well i know like, it shouldn't be like, colton if they're gonna show, do it whatever. like yeah. yeah right i mean like I don't think that – I think the restraining order against Cassie should preclude him from doing that. Like, I, like I do right. think it should be a better representation of maybe, like, the gay thing. And, like, maybe have your shit figured out first. Like a like a veteran gay, if you will. Someone who has been in yeah. the world. That, do you want that to be your introduction to dating, <laughs> full stop? Like Veteran gay? <laughs> <laughs> your introduction to dating as, like, being the lead of a dating show? Like, well, it's, right. you know, that sounds like a, like a terrible I think we do idea. need a veteran. I mean, th- this was the thing, is that as soon as he had to sit down, I feel like there was a lot of backlash of people being like, what about Cassie? And, like, you're, like, using her as a prop in your journey of self-discovery and et cetera, et cetera. And, like, I didn't think that was entirely fair in the sense that like he's still a person who is gay and like that's an experience that he is allowed to have and talk about he's still very prominent like him coming out as a former lead in the bachelor franchise is huge news and also a Um, former professional football player like he inhabits a lot of these spaces that as we've talked about are really wedded to heterosexuality and so right and that's that that makes it newsworthy that being said that immediately then there was this stream of little leaks and scooplets. Like he's getting his own Netflix show where someone is going to teach him how to be part of the gay community. And apparently that's already filming. He's getting a Netflix show. And then, you know, oh, how you maybe be part of the, first... the gay community. You just like hook up with a dude and then you just, be <laughs> yeah, normal, that's what I hear. Like I hear. everyone else. <laughs> Because gay people are just like everyone else. Wait, Darren, I thought you need uh, Gus Kenworthy and his many <laughs> Sochi puppies to teach you. 
Like, I personally don't know what my vagina, like, I had to learn like, what my who, vagina like, had who to do was, to the gay community. Who was your gay guy? <laughs> yeah, like, who was your, who it's was a shaman. It? It's a shaman. Uh, <laughs> and he helps me through, like, my first girlfriend was my fucking like, you know, it's like, oh, well, it teach him how to be gay. I'm like, there's nothing more heteronormative than, than a company coming out with a show teaching someone how to be gay. Like, there's just, there's nothing worse than that. It's, it's like Harvard for gay people. Um, yes. That's what Colton's going to do. He's doing a program of individual study for gayness. On yeah, I do just, oh God. It really just feels like it, he could have perhaps should have just taken, you know, done this interview, spoken about his experience and then like taken a step back and continue to not be in the public eye. Like this restraining order was within the last year. Um, September. Yeah. It was in September. Some of the stuff that was in the complaint, I didn't dig all the way in, but it was like, you know, disturbing. like showing up outside her place in the middle of the night. Like it's really disturbing. And like, he can have this truth that, that needs to come out. And I respect that. And I don't think that people should say like, he's faking it to like get an excuse or something. I think that's ridiculous. But like, if I were Cassie, the trauma of seeing him springboard now into all of these shows is like a little much, like maybe part of your being really sorry is that you kind of go away a little bit. Like for at least for a period of time. I also think like, let us love I feel you again. Like, <laughs> I feel like this is also sort of what like Billy Eichner like tweeted, like, you know, Colton is going to get like a glad award before I do or like something like that. <laughs> and I was like that. It, it also like, it just speaks to the fact that yeah, someone like Colton who is a cis straight white, like fits in some ways into the molds of traditional masculinity, gay man, like those are the people who tend to be at the forefront of queer representation in pop culture. And so it's, it's like, there are all these layers. It's like my guy, I am, I'm really like truly fucking thrilled for him that he is not lying to himself and his loved ones anymore. I'm so glad, like, I'm so glad he is not in a place where, you know, he said he, at least had one suicide attempt. He had suicidal thoughts. Like that is extremely dark, extremely upsetting. Um, but yeah, perhaps like the Netflix deal, uh, could have waited. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, indefinitely. I, indefinitely. I, yeah. <laughs> I just don't think in that type of scenario when you're clearly, it's clearly like TV has, well, it's probably given you a platform to come out and get a lot of acceptance. It's also not great mental health wise for a lot of people. And we've seen this. Also before. true. I mean, Ron went on OC. So I don't think that like when you go through the journey, it's not just like, okay, now I'm gay. And then everything falls into place. Like you have to get used to living your life as a gay person and understand what that comes with. And it's, it's, it's advantages and it's disadvantages. And I don't think doing that in front of on a Netflix show is like going mm-hmm. to be better for his mental health and his journey. That's just my opinion. I am not putting words into his mouth or trying to pretend to be him, but I wouldn't have wanted more cameras on me when I was coming out, even if I was having a great time. It's just, it's a very individualized thing. And I don't, I don't think it's good. It's a little bit like, when you find out an artist did something terrible and you're like, can I still listen to this music or like this art anymore? Like that's kind of how it feels with the Colton thing where it's like, I'm happy for him, but I also don't want to see him like thrive in every way possible. Like yeah. right now all, all together while like Cassie's probably 
upset and traumatized. Like there's you know, there's something wrong about that to me. And I don't know. Yeah. Why. I don't wish him ill will. No. no, I don't think that we wish him, but yeah, no, I think that that's just part of, part of making, I think, reparations to the person you harmed in a situation like this is to take very seriously that you having, you know, this, this big media blitz celebrating you, um, and your personal life, um, so soon after you cause them this harm is going to be really painful for them in all likelihood. And like that has, I mean, it's one thing to be like, I hope that he does well in his personal life and like continues healing and like explores new relationships and is employed and happy, but like, (laughs) that's different from like having him all over Netflix and like you, she opens Netflix and like there's cold in space autoplaying because Netflix has these fucking autoplay trailers that make me crazy. I know. Um, It's terrible. It's terrible. Netflix is like the worst possible place for this to happen for that reason. She's going to have to boycott, but like, (laughs) yeah, like we can say we want Colton to, you know, continue healing and doing better and thrive in a certain way without it being in a way that is likely to, to cause more harm to Cassie. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's, if he's the first gay bachelor on top of this, I would just be like, no. uh, do, do the, I just feel like some of these people don't know how to make money outside of getting paid to be in public. And like Colton was really young when he went on the bachelorette, his past career was like, briefly being a football player, like running a sort of vanity charity situation. Like sometimes it's like, I guess he doesn't know how else to make money than to sign a Netflix deal or be an influencer. That doesn't excuse it. But like, that is part of the problem. I think that we end up with all these people who like, how are what they don't know what to do if they can't be in the public eye, but sometimes the best thing is for them not to be in the public eye. Yeah, I think I, you're completely right. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long <laughs> no, no, it was, it was spot on. It was absolutely spot on. And I think that that's like just one of the reasons this entire conversation feels so thorny because you're trying to just like hold all of these realities at the same time. Um, and I think that like long term, you know, he is a public person. He does have a platform. I think long term, once there's been processing, once there's been space, like he could really use that platform to make a difference if he wields it wisely and he kind of uses it to perhaps like question these bigger structures that, you know, repressed him um, and caused harm to him and the people around him. And I think like, it's like all of these individual stories are so much more valuable when we can make the connections to like the bigger cultural things that they point to. Like we, none of us are like wedded only to like Colton's narrative. We don't know him personally, but like what he represents is the thing that's important. Um, You know, I think Robin Roberts even said it in their interview. She's like, there might be another young closeted football player who's watching this, who's watching you. Um, and he very much demurred and was like, I'm not going to like give advice because I'm still figuring things out. But I think that that's correct. Like seeing that matters, which is why these, you know, public coming outs matter. Um, you know, that has value, but like, yeah, also 
maybe he should then take some, take some space and not, um, do more harm in while he's like working through who he is and, and celebrating that, which he is like, of course, allowed to do. Yeah. I think that's why even when we talked about how there was nuances to this, I mean, I think that's right. And I think coming out is great. Coming out on good morning America is great. Coming out as a bachelor is great as a football player is great, but it doesn't solve the reasons that he felt so oppressed previously. And if we don't have those conversations, then none of it really matters at all because the people who are celebrating him being like, yay, good job already have a very healthy perspective on being gay and being different and being queer people like us, you know, like the people that really need to hear the conversations need to understand the structure that whether it's the bachelor and, and, and patriarchy and misogyny and NFL religion like those things need to be fucking talked about which is why these conversations are important while also feeling very happy that he came out don't worry darren chris harrison already gave his stamp of approval and we know that (laughs) i love that instagram i was like chris harrison has risen (laughs) he's like like, it's my time to be on the right side (laughs) we were like i was like i'm gonna get to it first i'm getting to it first i was like oh we get it chris you're cool with the gays you're just not cool with the blacks i was like like, oh my god i'm like chris you really like we don't we don't need you in this conversation like we don't we just need to lie low please yeah i mean i wanted to actually pivot a little bit and maybe this is a good place to do it like to some of those like specific things that i think are more difficult to pick apart about what his coming out like sort of reveals about the underpinnings of why he felt he couldn't for so long. And like, he talks a little bit about the church, of course, and like his upbringing and locker room talk. But like, what's interesting to me is that then he sort of pivots like, but everyone still loves me and I feel closer to God. So it's almost like it was like his mistake. Like I misinterpreted whoops. And I want, like, I don't think the Colton is maybe, far enough along, but also maybe not quite like the right person to articulate um, the ways that, that those things can mess you up. I don't think that that's his, his um, calling. Like, I don't think he's like a really hardcore uh, critic um, and thinker, but like, that's fine. But um, there were points when I was like, I feel like you're trying to express some hurt that was done to you, but you don't quite even know how to express it. Um, and that was one of those things, but also the way that he talked about, and I wanted to ask your guys' opinion about this, the way he talked about how he never had a good answer for people for why he was a virgin when he was the bachelor. And that really struck me because so many people at the time were like, he's gay. Yeah. And that really rubbed me the wrong way, even though it seemed quite possible. And I think because it's the same, it, it, it goes back to the same, the root of the problem, which is like, you have to be a man and to prove you're a man, you have to fuck women. And like, he failed to do that. Um, so he's failing to be a man and he has to explain that in some way. And in this case, he's like, well, I'm gay, but that's my explanation, you know? So we're still in a way almost like leaving in place the expectation that like, well, a straight man would have been fucking lots of women. 
Well, unless and if not, he it would was, need an explanation. Unless he was a born again virgin who had recommitted himself to Christ, right? Like the, it's like, Shallow. yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. Um, that was a little, that was a little <laughs> nod to Sean. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think that's such a, it, it is such an, was like such an interesting thing to hear him articulate that like he always felt he, he owed everyone an explanation and that there was a frustration that he couldn't, like, I, I watched an old interview where he was like trying to talk about it with Lauren Zima. And he was like, you know, I wish I could have just said it's, it's all God. I wish I could have just said it's all because I'm just such a good Christian, but like, it's not, it's this complicated thing and I can't quite articulate it. And like, it was like, he was struggling with like not having a perfect answer and yeah, the whole thing should be like, why the fuck are we even talking about this? Like, that's kind of how I always felt about it. Like, A, why do we know so much about Colton's virginity or not? Like, why is that something that feels like appropriate to be discussing ad nauseum? Like, sure, okay, when he was on Becca season, maybe like he wanted to disclose that to her, but like, why was that his like entire branding? Uh, as we all knew it would be. And then once he got together with Cassie, it was like every interview was like, oh, so you have, have you fucked yet? Yeah. Like yeah. so gross. Um, and God, like, yeah, yeah like the whole like bounds it's... of the conversation are fundamentally fucked. And it's like, he didn't quite get to the point where he could acknowledge that he was like, okay, fine. I finally at least like have have an acceptable answer to this question. And I also think Claire, like your discomfort with people calling him out as like, Oh, well he must be gay if he hasn't, you know, had sex. And I even saw a lot of people now being like, well, this isn't news. Like I could have told you that we all, we all knew, we knew he was gay. And, and my feeling on that is sort of like, sure. You can speculate anything about anyone, but when someone publicly tells you something about their own sexual identity like it's not really your job to question that like until they like i will believe what someone says and if they then come back and say i I, on my journey i've actually realized this other thing or actually i feel this this other way now then like i'll believe them then Mm -hmm. like it's just not our job as the public to be like trying to poke holes in someone's sexual identity well what you've captured there is kind of what you've, what you've captured with doing that is people's internal bias of how they see something being Colton's a football player. He's hot. He's tall. He's built. He's gregarious, nice, comes from a good family. That's the type of guy in their minds. Like if you could have had sex when you were 15, dude, why the fuck didn't you didn't just like, like every other guy, right? Like that's the lens that we're all looking at it from. And then when Colton, who can still have been gay or not and been a virgin at 25 and it wouldn't have mattered. He could have just been a fucking virgin. And like, that's what happens. Like it has nothing to do with like gayness filling in the blank of like being a good reason. So that was like kind of odd for me because I was like, no, I wasn't a virgin and I was gay at 25. Uh, (laughs) But I, I think, I think for that, like, you know, having that view and going into that people always fear what they don't know. And they fear when someone really challenges, you know, for me, who's not religious, for example, a lot of people get on me because they're like, well, what do you believe in then? 
And I'm like, well, I believe in plenty of things. Like I believe in myself and I believe in my career and I believe in reality TV and I believe in this bed and I believe like, and it, it, and even though I'm not harming their rights by not believing in God, it bothers them. And I think that that's what we were all projecting with Colton, maybe a little bit of like, how could Mm. this seemingly handsome fit man at 25 not have touched a vagina? Like what? What could it possibly be? And that's really our response to it, whether or not we want to recognize that or not. And we all do it, you know, it just maybe not as publicly as others, but like, that's really what I think you just tackled right there is that, that fear of not knowing and being like, well, that's not the narrative I set for myself. So what the fuck then? Like, therefore this, you know? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And like, and I'm sure that I said things like this probably on the podcast at the time, like, you're, there is a part of you that's like, oh, well, he seems like a guy who could get laid if he wanted to. So like, why isn't he getting laid? And like, but at the same time, then I, yeah, I take a step back and I'm like, this is the kind of thinking that like leads to like fucking 17 year old dudes being like, I really have to get some no matter what I got to to get it. And it's like super unhealthy and, and damaging to to girls and to girls to say, if a guy isn't fucking me, then I'm not worthy to be fucked and I'm not hot and I don't have self-worth and I'm ugly and I'm not this. So it affects everyone, right? It's like not just with men because then it affects women's self-worth, I think in that regard. Yeah. We are all harmed by these ideologies. We are all like very deeply fucked up and it is a life's work. (laughs) You untangle ourselves. I mean, not me because I'm gay and close to God. Well, you're you very too. close to God. You're very close to God. I'm trying to basically you absorb yes. some of your uh, <laughs> closeness to God in this conversation. And I hope that I will have seen him in all of his glory by the time this rainbow ends. water on you. For sure to help you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> but yeah, it, it harms everybody. Like not just men in thinking that, but also women's response to men thinking that. Yes, absolutely. Like I've been the, like I've been the person in therapy being like, women always talk about getting catcalled and it like never happens to me. And that makes <laughs> me feel bad about myself. And this is a safe space for me to express that right. without belittling the trauma they go through. And then my therapist was like, probably you just don't seem like that type of girl. And then I had to find a new therapist guys. it was really tough. <laughs> you're like, what oh does that God. type of girl look like? You're like, what? Like, I was I like, that's how I found out my therapist was a psycho um, or a, <laughs> oh my God. a sexist. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's true. Like it gets in your head. You're like, why am I not being subjected to sexual pressure and violence? That is what proves that I'm doing womanhood correctly and that I've been chosen and, anointed as if by the bachelor franchise um and it's it it's hard to really unpack all of that um because it is so deeply ingrained into how we relate to each other and because yeah i think people have these you know i've never i don't think had a friend where i sort of thought they were gay but they said they weren't where they didn't come out within like five years but that doesn't, I, I mean, so there's a part of you that's like, all right, I know what's going on here. Like, I'm just going to call it like I see it. But, you know, there is a harm to just assuming that you're right about stuff like this and that, and that your perceptions of how people present themselves are defining who, define who they are in some way. Um, there's, and I don't think that there is a harm to deferring to people. Um, and giving people more power over telling you who they are and exploring that for themselves. Um, because otherwise we do, we just end up falling back on these 
these roles and the behaviors that go along with those roles, many of which are really distorting and, and harmful to a lot of and, people. And on top of that, I'd say, you know, cause obviously like I've had it too, where it's like, like my cousin, for example, is the only other gay, openly gay person in my family that I know of. And it's like, I knew he was gay five years before he came out. Right. Like I knew it like, and, 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 and most of our family did. It wasn't like a gay, like sixth sense. It was just like, we were all like, he'll come out when he's good and ready. And we yeah. knew that. And I, and it, it wasn't like we were pressuring him or treating him as such. And I think with you, with, with what you were saying, Claire is like the damage is done, not necessarily saying like, okay, he's gay. He'll come out in his own time. But if he was like, no, Darren, I'm straight. It's not believing him. It's like, okay. In the back of your mind to be like, maybe he's figuring it out. And maybe that's my bad. But then to say like, no, Matt, you're definitely fucking gay. Like, that's the problem I think that people have. Well, exactly. I think that's exactly it. It's not that like you can't make observations or have conjectures privately or, you know, leave space or want to be like a hospitable person for someone to come to if and when they want to, you know, have that conversation with you. But yeah, prescribing who someone else is, like telling someone who they are in any capacity is just is not going to be helpful on their personal journey, whether yeah. or not you're correct in your assessment. And so I think as, as you said, Claire, it's like there is, we are not harmed by giving people the space to, you know, have agency over how they want to define their identities and what they want to talk about. It's our responsibility to create space for any sort of like iteration of identity to be acceptable and valued and loved. And then it's up to individuals to define who they are. Well said. Very well said. Absolutely. I agree with my point. Um, <laughs> we all agree. This is <laughs> so all, beautiful. And I feel we all um, are very close to God now. Very. I feel closer than ever. Personally. Do Do any of you have final thoughts before we sort of wrap this really wonderful conversation, which I mean very earnestly, like this has been a very wonderful conversation. You know, for me, like, I think we've said it like the best. And I think I was even a little bit nervous to even have the conversation because I think there is such a duty, especially on my part to say like, congratulations, kind of welcome to our club. And, you know, like, I'm proud of you. And that's great. And I think that that's very true. And on the other hand, sort of understanding the nuances that we were talking about is just it's paramount to when these things happen. And I think we need to have those types of conversations. Um, and I don't think it denigrates and or lessens the happiness I feel for him coming out. Um, and while also understanding that, you know, allegations were made against him that matter and Cassie's voice in that incident absolutely matters. Um, but we covered that. That's kind of my, my final thought on the whole thing. But I'm glad we could kind of break down all these nuances. Yeah, no, I think you just said it perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's really the kind of conversation that we need to have on so many levels in our society right now that like people can cause a lot of harm. And that doesn't mean that we forgive it, but it also doesn't mean that we throw them away or treat them as no longer human or worthy of happiness and love. And it's really difficult for us to figure out what that looks like in practice, but um, they're important conversations to have. We tried to get into that a little bit here. Um, I hope that Colton is thinking about it and uh, congratulations to him on, on coming out. Amen. Yeah. And that's it for this audio episode of Rich Text. And you can find us obviously on Substack, on Instagram at Claire and Emma pod, and you can find all three of us on Instagram and Twitter. Darren, where can people find you? 
You can find me at Carpe Darren. It is literally my name backwards, but it also means seize the Darren. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I love that, that so much. I love it so yeah. much too. It's actually quite literal. It's like, please. Please. Go please for seize it. me. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. Um, we'll be back next time for another little rich text chat. <laughs>